man, the service has been amazing already. I feel like saying, let's just go to Chewy's. That's like, go beat the rush and just have lunch together. Uh, I just feel already so full of the, the presence of God. He's already spoken to me. He's already encouraged me. He's already convicted me. I'm like, I'm done, Lord. <laughs> I don't know what else you want to do, but um, I, I am excited about today's word. I hope you're ready to receive it. I love that Sherry just said, pull out your Bibles and your journals because you have a responsibility in this moment to pick up what I'm laying down. You know what I mean? Like to receive what the Spirit of God is saying. Whew. And I know, oh God, he is wanting to use this sermon to bring healing to some people. He's wanting to bring a, a life that is beyond the life you're currently living. Some of us are stuck in ruts, you're stuck in tradition, you're stuck in graveyards. And I just sense that the dead is about to come to life again this morning in this room. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? Why don't you stand to your feet? I know we've been doing a lot of Christian calisthenics up and down, but let's honor the word of God with Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24 through 28 had a lot of calls this week helping well I mean I guess it happens every week but uh, this week specifically there's been a common theme in the phone calls that we've Carrie and I've been receiving and sometimes I have the honor to sit in hearing distance of her on the phone with people and um, she is brilliant and um, sometimes she gets to hear me on the phone with people and so We'll kind of talk about it afterwards. Well, I got to hear her talk to someone this week, and I had been—I had heard a few other comments, conversations, bits and pieces that she had talked to people. And I looked at her yesterday, actually, and I said, "You really like that word, unbothered? You've been using that word a lot with people. I, three times this week, you've told people your word for this week." is unbothered. She's told them, your word for this week is unbothered. And, and I just knew that I had to, I had to title this sermon today, Unbothered. Because I believe that the Lord is wanting to elevate our thinking. He's wanting to elevate our interactions, our relationships, our life, right? We have been bothered with too many things. It's time for you and I to get unbothered. Can I get an amen? amen? Proverbs chapter 30, 24 through 28 says, There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is in the king's palaces. It's time today, like the ant, the badger, the locust, and the spider, to get unbothered. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word that is about to just explode in our spirits. God, I am just so excited about the word that you've given me to, to speak today. 
God, the singular word of unbothered, I think is, is a word that just needs to radiate throughout our congregation, throughout our communities, our school system, our, our public education, our everything that we are touching, God. We, we need to be carriers of unbotheredness. God, let your spirit speak to us individually today. Divide the word into as many pieces as necessary to speak to every need that is in the room or watching online in this moment. In Jesus' name, we pray. We give you full permission. Amen. 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 You may be seated. The book of Proverbs is profound because it has a purpose that is unique and different from any other book in the Bible. There are uh, 30 chapters in Proverbs. You can read one a day if, if you'd like. Uh, but Proverbs is known as wisdom literature. Wisdom literature. Other books reveal God's people, God's plan, God's purpose, um, God's mode of operation. But Proverbs is different. It's not just trying to get history to you. It's not just trying to get, uh, you know, who God is to you or the plan of salvation to you. The book of Proverbs is supernaturally tasked with imparting wisdom to you. God's wisdom. So Proverbs is a very unique book, and it's really important that uh, we spend some time with it. And today, as we talk about contentment, satisfaction, I want to address some issues on, on the subject of wisdom and, and how you and I are wise when we learn to be unbothered. If you want a content life, we have to walk in wisdom. Where other books intend to make us righteous, this book, the book of Proverbs, intends to make us wise. Did you know that you can uh, live a right life and not be wise? You can live a prosperous life and not be wise. Did you realize it is possible to live a moral life, a moral life, and not walk in wisdom? It's possible for you to use your gift, your skill, and usher other people into a quality of life that you yourself don't walk in. Because your gifts and your talents lead other people into that quality of life, but it's discernment that leads yourself into that quality of life. So we can talk all about Jesus to our coworkers. We can talk all about our experience at church and we can talk all about, you know, how God is using us here, there, everywhere. And, and we can lead people to the throne room. We can lead people to Jesus, but it's not our gifts and our talents that lead us, ourselves. We are inwardly led through wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom is the key that unlocks the door to kingdom living, by the way. Kingdom living, the, you know, the life that God intended for us, a life that is fruitful, a life that is productive, a life that is flourishing and satisfied, a life where your soul is prospering. I've never in my life, in my very young 
25 years of life, seen so many sickly souls among us. You know, your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your imaginations, your affections. I have never, never seen even the church bombarded with so many imaginations of the mind that lead them away from God's best for their life. I have I've not seen uh, people so consumed with mental illness, depression, anxiety, and I'm not trying to diminish mental illness, it's real. I'm simply saying, can you not look around and see that the enemy is trying to take us down through getting our souls sick? Suicides. Just in the past 12 months, I personally know a pastor, a pastor that like not that I just saw on TV or that I read his books or listened to his music. I know a pastor that I swam with in a pool in Arizona, had conversation with him. Like I know him and he took his own life. They found him face down in his bed because COVID and leading a church during the pandemic was, and certainly there are always more issues than what you know, right? It was too much for him. His soul was sick. If we could just be honest for a moment, there are people in the room, your soul is sick. And you woke up this morning and you painted it with makeup and you ironed the clothes of your soul so that no one realizes you're sick. But the reality is our souls are dying. Jesus said what? Matthew 7, what profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What good is it if you advance in your career, but you're losing sleep? What good is it if you make tons of money for retirement, but you retire with no relationship with your kids because you didn't have the capacity to have real, meaningful, honest conversations with them? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but lose his soul. Listen, it's not just righteousness in the Christian life that's going to get you somewhere. I love holiness. I love righteousness. I think people be doing stupid stuff that they know better. But righteousness alone is not the key. I know a lot of righteous people who are saved, sanctified, saintly, but are suffering needlessly because they don't know how to walk in wisdom. 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 James says there are two types of wisdom. In James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good contact, conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast do not lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Did you know that you could have wisdom anointed? All bits of wisdom are anointed. 
by something. James is saying there are two types of wisdom. One is anointed from God. The other is earthly, sensual, and demonic. In verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You know, much of generational wisdom, how many of you learned some wisdom from your parents? Anybody in the room? My kids, where are you? <laughs> are my kids raising their hand right now? If not, they're liars. Just kidding. We've learned some wisdom. I've learned wisdom from my parents. My, my, my dad actually... I remember growing up and seeing him sit at the table doing Bible study every morning and praying for wisdom. He prayed for wisdom. And I know that if you pray for wisdom, you get more wisdom. That's the one thing that God says, if you ask me for more, I'll give you more. And I know that I always need more wisdom. So I've learned from my dad, always pray for more wisdom. But I learned a good deal of wisdom from my dad. But generally speaking, much of the generational wisdom that has been passed down is earthly wisdom. It's the wisdom that has come from people's experience, not people leaning into the reliability of the word. It's lessons people have learned from their pain. And not that these lessons aren't true, but even lessons learned from our pain have to be put through the filter of scripture to see if it aligns with what God is saying is wise in the moment. Because what will happen is we will make a, a long, lifelong philosophy out of a temporary pain. And so we teach our kids to trust these kinds of people and not these kinds of people or make these kinds of investments and not these kinds of investments. Whatever wisdom is to us, we try to pass that down generationally. Listen, I don't care how smart your mom and your dad are. I'm not trying to put them down today. But you need to get wisdom from heaven. That's the wisdom that you and I need today. We can't live on daddy's wisdom. I, I, I can't get further in life because my daddy sat around a table and prayed for wisdom and did Bible study. That was a great example. Uh, very great to have had that in my life. But if I want to continue to be all that God has for me, it requires me to find myself around a table in front of a Bible asking God for wisdom. Yes. That is good. It's so convicting. So convicting in an age where we can just Google any question that we have. We, we can find the answers of what works for everyone else. Listen, just because a solution will work doesn't mean it's the solution for you. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom isn't about getting a profit. Wisdom isn't about staying safe. Wisdom isn't about restoring relationships. Wisdom is about hearing from heaven what you should do in this moment today. That's wisdom. That's what wisdom looks like and sounds like. Just because something seems to work doesn't mean that it's wise. There are a lot of wise things that or a lot of things that would work for you, potentially, that aren't wise. Some of you have built walls around your heart to keep bad people out. That has worked for you. The problem is, it has imprisoned you in. It's not wise. 
You've taken great measures to guard your heart, which is a biblical principle, but, but you went beyond guarding your heart to enclosing your heart, to not even trusting the Father with your heart. What seems to work may not be what's wise. Another example is, I mean, I, I need to learn about relationships. I need to get wisdom, though, from the one who created relationships, not from the person who's had a lot of them. That was a really good line. If I need information, if I need wisdom on relationships, I need to go to the one who created relationships, not to the person who's had a lot of them. If I need wisdom on my financial arena, I need to go to the creator of resource, not to the one who's had a lot of resource pass through their hands. They may offer some insight, they may offer some knowledge, but wisdom is hearing from heaven Wisdom is going to the source, right? I, I may need joy in my life, and I'm all for counseling. I, if you've been here any length of time, you know that I am for counseling. If you set up a meeting with me for some dysfunction, you've probably walked away with referrals because I tell you I'm a pastor, not a counselor, and you need counseling. That's what I would say to you. Uh, you know I'm for counseling, but listen, using all the tools at the end of the day, there's one giver of joy. And if we're not pursuing the giver of joy, if we're looking for avenues to get joy, we may have it temporarily, but it's going to fade. Yeah. I need to hear from heaven. I'm convinced that's why so many of us are hot and bothered about everything. We live in a, a culture of just like an explosive culture of being appalled at everything. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't think of the word. I wish I, I probably should have brought the word to the platform with me. We, outrage is the word I'm looking for. We live in a culture of outrage. Did someone say that? Did someone say that? Close. Triggered. That's good. Yeah. Like outrage. It is now officially in vogue to be outraged over everything and anything, anyone, anytime, anywhere. We live in a culture of outrage and we just get so bothered that people don't think like us, act like us, vote like us, eat like us, dress like us. We just get so bothered. But church, we got to get unbothered. If we're going to lead the way, if we're going to lead culture in what reconciliation looks like, in what healing looks like, in what God's destiny looks like, we have to be unoffendable and unbothered. Yes. We, we got to hear from heaven. And you know, it's easy to get unbothered when you realize you just don't know it all. Here's what I know. I know my past. Many of you do too. It ain't pretty, but it's all I got. It's the experience that I have a framework for living on, right? It's the life that I chose. It's the lessons that the Lord used. And now I, I have one foot in the past, right? I've got one foot in the present, 
current circumstances and situations, but I need somebody that sees the future. The wisdom I'm looking for is not just you helping me figure out the past and the present. That's great, but I can watch enough Oprah to get some good ideas and Dr. Phil on what I need to do with my life if I'm just dealing with the past and the present. I need some wisdom based on the future. I need some wisdom from somebody who's got one foot in the past, one foot in the present, and a head and a hand in the future. And that wisdom comes from heaven. You see, God knows what I'm going to encounter tomorrow and next week and two weeks from now. And I may be in the middle of a decision right now, and it makes sense based on my past. I know what I should do, but I don't know what's ahead. So when I've petitioned heaven for wisdom, I'm getting additional insight. Can I get a good amen? Yes. Yes. So good. You know, Solomon says in the text that we read that there are lessons in all things. I hope that I've convinced you that God's wisdom is important, but let me just clarify that God's wisdom is revealed in God's word. If we're looking for godly wisdom, it doesn't, it doesn't happen by watching your favorite YouTube preacher. It doesn't, happen, it doesn't happen by volunteering to serve. It doesn't happen by tithing. You know how you get wisdom? By reading the word. The word. The word is the wisdom that you're lacking. If you don't have the life that you feel God has called you to right now, what is lacking is not more resource. What is lacking is not more connections. What is lacking is the word in your life. I know that's really offensive, but it's the word that brings wisdom. Yeah. Jesus explicitly says it in John chapter, Matthew chapter seven. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will like them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do you remember this story? The, the, the man builds his house on the rock and then somebody builds the house on the sand. Jesus said, those who know the word listen to the word, hear the word, and do it, are building their house on the rock. But here's, here's the scary part. The house on the rock and the house on sand, they both look the same on the outside. They don't know until the storm comes what they're built on. We had someone this week ask Carrie and I, how, you guys are just so calm and, and cool and collected. I get really worked up in, in situations like this. W why is that? And, um, you know, I responded trying to convince them, oh, no, we were worked up earlier, but now we're just chill. Like, I tried to come down to their level. The Lord rebuked me on that and said, I should have, I should have called them higher to a level of being unbothered not made them feel comfortable with being bothered, but allowed them to step up to a, a place of peace where Carrie and I were residing. Unbothered. 
if you hear these words, you build your house on the rock. And then when the big bad wolf comes and he huffs and he puffs and he blows the house down, the person whose house is still standing, the person who is unbothered, that's where wisdom surfaces. That's where we know wisdom has done its work because it's created the foundation for our living. Listen, creation, creation declares the glory of God. God is, God is preaching in everything. I, I know that the word is where wisdom is found, but sometimes God will also, in addition to the word, speak to you in a sunset. He will sometimes speak to you in a sunrise. Sometimes speak to you with a butterfly. He'll sometimes speak to you with the sound of a waterfall. He'll sometimes speak to you with the clouds as you're laying on the grass watching the clouds and you see that funky little shape and you're like, oh, is that God? It might be. Because God speaks through everything. And that's what Solomon is trying to get us to see right now. He'll, he'll speak to us today if you let him through the ant, through the badger, through the locust, and through the spider. Let, let's look at these verses together in the time that I have. Proverbs 30, 25, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. I was thinking about an ant. What can I learn from an ant? A couple things. Ants, ants I think, are pretty smart, I, I think. But the thing that I found that I can learn, the lesson that I can pull out from the ant, they prepare their food in the summer. If I, if I want wisdom, I could learn from the ant because ants know how to discern seasons. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time for everything, and ants know how to discern the seasons. They know how to manage the seasons of their life. They work in the summer gathering food while you and I are looking for plans, beaches to go to, taking time off from work skipping church for the weekend because it's a beautiful day. Ants are working because they know winter is coming. They invest in the summer and then in the winter when we're panicked and we're trying to find the firewood, we're trying to find heat, we're trying to get you know the, 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 the clay pot with the candles underneath because the windmills are frozen or what, I don't, I don't even know. While we're panicked, the ants are just sitting back, getting more from the storage room to eat because they knew how to manage the seasons of their life. You and I would be more wise if we asked the Lord to help us manage the seasons of our life. Things are going really good right now, great. Manage that season, don't get too hyped when things are going good. You get too hyped when things are going good, then you get really depressed when things are going bad. We gotta learn how to manage the seasons and when things are good, you store up because there is a winter that's coming. When you're feeling good, you do those devotions every day. Don't skip them. That's the tendency. When you're feeling good, not to lean into God. But that's what the ant does. They, they continue to store even when they don't need the food because there's a winter coming where they're gonna need it. There's a day coming where 
all these good days where you woke up in the morning and you did your Bible study and you prayed and you went to church even when you didn't feel like it, you, you continued to stay faithful. Then when the rug is pulled out from under you, that's the stuff that carries you through that stuff. We got to get better at managing our seasons. And for those of you right now who are in a low point, you're like, well, this is good news. Could you have told me this six months ago? Maybe your life is just turned upside down right now. You can still manage that season as well. I had a conversation with somebody this week that is really going through it. And the most spiritual thing I told the person was, get enough sleep. Get a schedule. Get enough sleep. Eat well. Exercise. It sounds so 101. But when you're, when you're depressed and it is so dark and gray, you, you don't want to get out of bed. You need somebody to tell you, this is what you do today. Today, brush your teeth. Put on your clothes. Go get some vitamin D outside. Go for a walk. Eat food. Real food, not ramen. Sorry. Our youth love ramen. They love sour ramen, spicy ramen, long ramen, short ramen. They love ramen. Manage your seasons. Here's another thing that the ant taught me. Is this all right? Can I give you another one? The ant teaches me how to deal with dirt. Some of us get buried by dirt, but the ant knows how to build with it. The difference is not that some of us are more dirty than others. The difference is some of us have learned to use the dirt to build a future rather than allow the dirt to forfeit our future. Some of you got buried by yours while others stood on the fact that what the enemy meant for evil, God was going to turn it around. And when you allow the dirt of your life to bury your life, you just go further and further down but when you allow the dirt to be a building block of your life, just part of the foundation, you shake it off and you step up. When you allow the dirt to be a builder in your life, it takes you higher. I learned that from the ant. The next verse, verse 26, the rock badger are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. Rock badger, rock Badger. What is a rock badger? Are we done? You seen enough? Can the sermon go on? The rock badger is in the rabbit family. Rabbit family. That's right. No. Yes, they're in the rabbit family. Sorry, I looked at a different part. They're in the rabbit family. Uh, and one thing that, that the rock badger or, or rabbits taught me is the power of running. You know, rabbits run. It, we live, I live in Pflugerville, so they're just rabbits everywhere. Anyone have rabbits in your yard? Yeah. Yeah, they just dart here, dart there, dart everywhere. It just drives me nuts, and we try to keep the rabbits out. We got a garden, and, you know. Uh, rabbits are runners. And, and the one thing I'm learning 
to take from the rabbit is, is sometimes when you get in trouble, it's because you don't know how to run. Let me say that again. Sometimes we end up in situations we shouldn't be in because we don't know when to run. Sometimes we fall into what we should not have fallen into because we try to fight what we should have run away from. The Apostle Paul is very clear on this. Very clear. You don't fight sexual temptation. You run from it. You throw the keyboard and you run. You throw the phone and you run. You don't sit there and wonder if you have the stamina and holiness to say no. I'm sorry, I, I just need to look at this screen because I need to prove to myself that God has done a work in me. No, you don't. Like, stand your ground when dealing with patience issues. Stand your ground when dealing with kindness. God is teaching you to be kind and to speak gently and be long-suffering. Stand your ground. But when you are confronted with something of the sexual nature, the Apostle Paul is very clear. This is the one thing that you don't stay and fight. You flee. Immediately. You flee. If Listen, young people, any people, any people, let me just say this to any people, any age, single or married, pornography is a pandemic of massive proportions. It is destroying marriages. It is ruining the identity of people. It is creating fantasies of sex life that just doesn't exist in the Christian home. Pornography is a weapon of the enemy to destroy the family unit because the husband and the wife, the family unit is the closest representation we have to God and his children, God and his bride. Our marriage should be shouting the fame of Jesus. And every happy marriage that walks around at the Domain in Austin, every happy marriage that goes down to Fredericksburg for a bed and breakfast weekend, it just takes the enemy off. You could be doing nothing related to church, but seeing a flourishing marriage, even people who aren't saved, but have a healthy marriage, it looks an awful lot like Jesus. Just run. Just run. If you ain't running from the sexual temptation, you don't want to be well. Can we just have that honest conversation? Jesus came up to a man, a pool who couldn't walk. The question wasn't, do you think I can heal you? The question was, do you want to be well? I more than anyone get addiction. I understand addiction. I've lived addiction. My, my family has overcome addiction problems. I get that. But if you don't flee, you don't want to be well. The rock badger is unlike any other rabbit. The rabbit doesn't make his burrow his home in the sand. He makes his home in the rock. Yeah. 
So when you're running from the predator, you know, you know I've never seen a, a, a rabbit wrestle with a bear. Have you? Never. I've never placed bets on will the rabbit win. I've never seen a, a rabbit wrestle with an owl or hawk. Or an eagle. It, that's just not its strength. The rabbit's strength is running. <laughs> Next time you're sitting in front of a computer or on your phone and something pops up, I want you to remember this. <laughs> that will ruin the mood. <laughs> I really hope, I hope to God that's your thought. Because your strength is not in fighting it. Your strength is in running. Yes. And the running, to the world, running looks like weakness. But God says that's wisdom. Yeah. That's wisdom. There are some things that I choose not to get in the ring with every day. I choose not to get in the ring with that kind of junk. Right? I choose to not get in the ring with alcohol every day. That's my choice. I choose. I know I'll lose. I choose not to get into the ring of, of a pity party. If I get in the ring of pity party, oh, my life goes downhill so quick, it's unbelievable. Like, awful. There are things that I choose when confronted with that temptation. The Lord has already told me wisdom is to go. Thank you, baby. And it's one thing to run out of fear. I don't want you to run out of fear. Don't run out of fear. Right. Run out of purpose. Yeah, yeah. Run out of wisdom. Wisdom gives you discernment to know what battles aren't worth fighting. The world may call it weak, but God says it's wise. It's wise to not elevate your stress for things that you, you don't need to be fighting. All right, I need to move on because I'm already over, and I want to hit two more animals if that's all right. The locust, the locust in verse 27, the locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. The locusts, they have no king. They're not like ants. There's no queen or bees. Wait, both ants and bees. <laughs> there sure are a lot of queens in the animal kingdom. Locusts have no queens, they have no kings, they advance in rank, okay? They, they understand that they need to be able to lead themselves. Wise people, wise people are able to lead themselves, and I, I'm not saying that you don't need a leader, but your life is a reflection of how well you can lead yourself. By the way, if you're a leader in the room, the hardest person that you have to lead will always be yourself. Yourself will talk back to you so much you'll want to fire them. That's right. The hardest person to lead will be yourself. But we got to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, learn to self-manage, to learn to move with the herd, to move with, with the pack, to 
to not have to have somebody tell us every step what's right and what's wrong and do this and hey go to church on time go to work on time hey don't be on social media when the boss is paying you to be working for him do you know what i mean like learning to self-manage is is wisdom walking in integrity when no one is watching when there's no accountability nobody's gonna find out but the locust the locust knows how to self-manage to self-lead i've got to be able to move without a master i have to be able to command my soul every day to bless the lord i i have to I have to be able to take what the Lord is doing. I, listen, I can give you a sermon, but it's up to you to apply it. That's, that's being a locust. When we close today's service, I'm going to say, now go be a locust. <laughs> I, I can give you a great word, but if it stops when you walk out this door, it's not changing your life. That's on you, not me. I have sat under some incredibly ungifted preachers. Ungifted. I've, uh, that means I have heard people preach sermons that stunk. And the Lord still convicted me with them. Because it's not about what the preacher lays down. It's about what I pick up. What I can do with the word that has gone forward. You hear people, ah, preacher wasn't too good today. Maybe you just weren't the good audience. I'm, I'm saying, like, we have some responsibility. It amazes me how we can counsel people on issues year after year after year, and I don't see any change. I think maybe they think we'll have some new information. Problem is they never did anything with the first information we gave them. You gotta be a locust. If you want wisdom at work in your life, you have to be able to self-manage. You need to be able to wake up and say, soul, soul that is sickly, soul that is down and depressed, that has nightmares and is thinking worst case scenario, I am telling you today that I will choose to bless the Lord. His praise will continually be in my mouth. That's what a locust does. It declares what you're going to do. It doesn't just react to what's happening to you. Okay, I need to move on. The last verse. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands and it is in king's palaces the spider the spider let's take a look that's a spider that's a nice little web uh, webs always amaze me i'll see a web and i'll take a photo of it, it they're just amazing right the symmetry of it it's webs are amazing here's what we can learn from the spider today spiders use what's on the inside of it to create what they need. In other words, you know, you know what I'm saying, they, they build webs from inside of them. The, the web comes from inside of them. It's not like a squirrel. It's not like the squirrel who will demolish your poolside chair to go build its nest. The squirrel that takes everything you own and uses it for its own good. It's not like the squirrel. 
the spider uses everything within itself to create what it needs. You want to learn to grow in wisdom? Ask yourself what's in your hand. What has God placed in your hand to be used for his glory and for his good? Some of us are praying for God to come through and God's already saying, it's already inside of you. It's already in your hand. It's already like in your inventory. You just haven't taken proper inventory of what's in your hand. Be like the spider and use what's in your hand. Here's how else I love the spider. I I think the spider is just, first of all, I'm afraid of spiders. I had one bite me on this hand. I don't know if you see that white patch on my hand, my arm, that I was bitten and the venom was flesh eating. And yeah, and I had to go get on antibiotics and it was pretty scary. Like, so I'm not a, a, like, I like Spider-Man. But I don't like spiders. But spiders are pretty cool, aren't they? They build their web and then they sit and wait. They let the thing that will sustain them come to them. They're not losing sleep because they've not caught a fly yet. They're not over there panicked, pacing the web, wondering when, when their prey is going to land. Spiders, man, they are patient. Oh, they are patient. And they will sit there on that web and they will just wait until it finally shakes. And then they'll go out and they'll eat their prey. Some of us, wisdom begins on the doorstep of patience. All four of these things, as I'm wrapping up, Jordan, we'll, we'll go ahead and, what, what, what time is it? 11.49. Wow, that preacher. <laughs> these four things are unbothered by the fact that they are small. They're unbothered by the things that they can't do. They, they, they just do what they were created to do. The, the rabbit just, just runs because it was created to run. That's, the per- that's its purpose. That's what it was supposed to do, just run. In that moment, run. The, the locust moves as a group. It doesn't need to be told what to do. It, it knows intrinsically what to do. It doesn't need a taskmaster. It just, it, it knows the truth and it, it does the truth. It just, it just does. That's what it was made for. The, the, the locust is not over there panicked because it's not the size of an elephant. It doesn't care. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It just functions in its, in its strength. The spider isn't, isn't worried that it's not larger you know, larger, like those animal-sized inflatables on Halloween that people put in the yard that's very disturbing, and it looks like the tarantula. Do you know what I mean? And then the wind blows and its arms go. The spider's not concerned that it's not massive. It, it knows that it's big enough. To get unbothered, you and I, we have to stop focusing on what the enemy is doing because if we're focused on what the enemy is doing, we are missing what God is doing. I'm going to leave you with some homework because I, I have two more pages in my notes, but I can't. I need, I need to release you. But, but I want you to read all of Psalm 37 this week, preferably today. It is, it is 
For those of us who feel bothered by evildoers or evil things or whatever, Psalm 37 is just such a great reminder that we need to we need to trust. Trust like the ant that God's got us in that season, the next season. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord just like the the badger who runs not into the dirt but into the rock. We need to commit our ways to him just like the locust who stays in the ranks, stays in the herd and does what it knows to do. And finally, we need to rest just like the spider. And when we trust, delight, commit, and rest, we can live an unbothered life. Please stand to your feet. I want to pray for you today. Who would have the courage to say, Pastor, as you're speaking, I'm realizing I've been, I've been bothered an awful lot lately. I, I need the Lord to dispense a chill pill. If that's you, okay, all over the room. Good, good. I hope that I've given you some handles today, some things to pray about and really step out in faith on and in because God is for you. God is for you. I, I just love everything that Carrie said in that the ministry moment. And I just, I want you to know and, and remember that God is fighting your battles for you. It's okay to release control. It's okay if it doesn't even look like what you think it should look like. So if you raise your hand, will you just place your hand on your heart? Those that are in the room, all across the room and watching online, if you are just ready for God to begin a process of being unbothered, not being shaken, being stable, rooted, grounded. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you are just releasing a spirit of freedom in this room. Freedom from the opinions of others, freedom from the circumstances we're surrounded with, freedom with our own past, our own proclivity toward responding certain ways. God, you're giving us complete freedom to live the way you want us to live, to have a life that is elevated by your word. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are, you are building a church who can discern seasons, who can use the dirt, God, that they can build their life on the things that the enemy meant to destroy them with. God, you're building a church that isn't afraid to run when confronted with temptation. God, you're, you're building a church who bands together like the locust, who doesn't need to be managed. They can self-manage because they know what you've called them to do. God, I thank you that you're building a church like the spider who can do all that is in their hand and then sit and wait. 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 Unbothered. Unbothered. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you, Father. We thank you for the peace that is being released in this room in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for the people who are laying down control in this room. We thank you for the people who are laying down their weapons of warfare in this room. They're trusting you again. 
trusting you again. In Jesus' name I pray.